The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Thank you so much for the chance to worship in song tonight. Thank you for uh, gathering us together. And I do believe that, God, that we are not here by accident. I believe that there is no one here that is here by chance, that each one of us um, have been called and tugged at and, and wooed by you, um, brought here, um, getting into our cars. And I know that some people are, are coming right out of work or right out of a big trip or, or have had to come through all sorts of different things to be right where they are. And I trust, Lord, that they are here right now because you have something for them. And whether that's just to sit with people um, who know you and love you and that can, that can, um, that they can worship with, uh, whether that's the chance to sing and to forget about the other things that are going on in their life and just devote some time to cut some time out and say, Lord, here you go. Here's some of my time. Um, I want you to take it. I want you to transform it. I want you to move inside me. I want to glorify you. I just want to spend time with you. Lord, whether it's something in your word tonight as we go through scripture and, and uh, John's gospel, Lord, if it's a conversation that happens afterwards, I don't know what the reason is, but I do believe that there is no one here by accident. So, Lord, I pray that my prayer for each person tonight as they go home, that there will be some sort of a tug on their heart that they'll know why it was that you said, I want you to be here tonight. And they'll have that incredible sense of joy of knowing that they matter to you, that their lives are right um, in, in, in your hand and that your eyes are right on them, that you know their story. And go, God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome. Hi, how are you? You guys doing okay? How many people actually did go to Haiti that are here? Man, oh man, you guys, I am so impressed that you're here. Um, Okay, who is kind of um, extroverted? Kind of, you know, wouldn't mind doing something with me up here. Who's who's reasonably somewhat confident? There we go. Good, perfect, perfect. Come on up here. That's great. Um, that's great. Eric, I need one more. What what's your name? Beth. Beth. Thank you, Beth. What what? Someone else. What, who's that in the back? Co- what what is his name? No, that's Coach. Oh, what's your name? <laughs> Donald, welcome up. Donald and Beth. Everybody, let's give Donald and Beth a nice little hand. So, here's what I want to do. And, um, alright, this one I'm going to give to you guys. And you guys, this is, this is, um, oh, actually, I'm sorry, I'm goofing this up. This is there. I'm going to put this, um, um, I'll put it right. Can you guys kind of see if it's right there? Okay, lean there. And I'm going to give that to, for you guys to share. Donald, that's okay. for yours and Beth's. That's okay. for you to share. And then I'm going to go with this. This is water. It's in a bowl from my kitchen. I think it just spilled a little bit. I'm going to go um, down here, down to the first floor. I'm leave- I don't know if you can hear me anymore. Um, down here by the uh, sanctuary. And I'm putting this bowl by the door. Can you guys still hear me? Okay, the bowl is right by the door to the sanctuary. Man, it's a long haul. 
Okay, I'm good. All right, so here's my Beth and Donald. My challenge to you, you still got your spoon? Did you show it to Donald? What kind of spoon is that? That's right. Okay, so here's my whole deal. This has got me workout. I am thirsty because I just ran all the way down there. So I'm wondering if you could fill this glass with that together. And I'm going to go ahead and exegete the scripture. But you have to leave the glass there and you can't bring the bucket up. So you don't mind doing that? You guys work together? Oh yeah, no, no. You won't miss anything. I promise. And we'll record the stuff that you're not here for. Thanks you guys. I'm thirsty too. So whatever you can do. Oh. I was thinking about taking it across the street, but I didn't think I'd have enough range. Um, all right, we're talking about the Gospel of John, and you guys know last week that what we talked about was that John is definitely going to make a break from the synoptic Gospels. we got Matthew, Mark, Luke that are going to be, have a lot of parallel um, verses you're going to see a lot, and then John's going to take a little detour, and he's going to have a very specific mission. His idea is to be very clear. I'm still breathing hard. Uh, and it was just stairs. That's so sad for me. Um, I said, oh, got to sit down. I just went upstairs. Um, but John, his idea is that he really wants to be very pointed about um, making no mistake that this is a decision process for you and for me. Um, that Jesus is something that is, 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 um, is God incarnate. Come into the world and we are to make a decision about that. That it isn't something that you just sort of absorb over time. At some point, you have to sit there and look and say, do I or do I not believe that God has come to the earth in form, uh, in human form in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ's life, his death and his resurrection are a pivotal point, that that's salvation. That's sort of John's big point. How's it going? Yeah? Good. Donald, your steady hand, I see it. Okay, good. So we came last week. We talked about Nicodemus, and we saw that Nicodemus was um, a rule. He was a, a religious ruler, so he would have been very, very popular in his day. And um, we would everybody's look watching to see how they do. Good, great. How are you doing? Should I see? Okay. I, I would be thirsty after that. Yeah, I, I need more than that. If you guys could please do the best you can, and and I promise not to make you do this through the whole talk. Um, you know, thanks, Beth. Thanks, Donald. Everybody, let's just say, thanks, Beth. Thanks, Donald. Great. Um, but last week we saw that Nicodemus, we, when, when Nicodemus came, that Jesus really confronted that, to confronted this, this, this guy in his own language. Not confronted, actually started a dialogue with him in his own language. That Nicodemus is coming from the head. And he's coming from his learning and from his, from his understanding of scripture. And they get into a, to a dialogue, kind of a tussle of words. And they're really batting back and forth. What does it mean to be baptized? And, and, and they're going in through a, a, a passage in Ezekiel 36. And they get into a passage, and he's sort of testing Jesus' mettle. Well, this goes on, and he eventually then says to him, Look, um, this is the whole message, that I am the Messiah. I'm not coming to talk about the Messiah like John was. I I am he. So whereas in, in Mark, you might have Jesus keeping this a secret for a long time. And John, Jesus starts letting people know pretty quickly. And he's letting them know in, in very pointed ways in their language. Now he comes along and, and um, you can see as, this, as he's with uh, in the city that the Pharisees look at this and they go, wow, they've got some people that are following Jesus and they got some pe- How are you guys doing? 
okay, good. Nice job, Beth. You guys are taking turns. It's tiring. I did one trip and I was about ready to pass out. No, I'm not, not anymore. Let me see. You guys can barely see the bottom it's heavy of the water. I know. I'm going to need more water. Maybe just one more. Maybe just one more. I promise that'll be, that'll be all. No, I don't. That's the best thing. I, and no, that's the biggest one I've got. What is it? How, how big is that again? Quarter teaspoon. Yeah, sorry. Cooking at my house is a rough deal. I got to do it one at a time. So now he's coming to, now he's, what, what ends up happening is the Pharisees begin to, to say, look, we got this camp over here with John, and we got this camp over here with Jesus, and if we can just exploit this, we can make this whole thing go away. So Jesus takes off, and he takes off on a direct route out through Samaria. Now Samaria was a land that was pretty much, um, kind of snubbed by the Jews. The Israelites back then would have looked at them and said, well, they, we, we may have come from the same place, but we, we no longer believe the same thing. So it was said that in that day that, that an Israelite wouldn't even use the same uh, utensils as, as a Samaritan. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be caught. If they drank out of a cup, you wouldn't want to take that cup. If they, drank, if they used a spoon, you wouldn't want to use that spoon. So this is where we are. Therefore, when... The Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Oh, John John chapter 4. Did I say that? Oh, sorry. Thank you. (laughs) You guys got one more trip in you? You guys, that's good. Why don't we give them a hand? That's that's pretty good. That's good. Because I want you guys to hear this part. Nicely done, Donald. Where did you put my... I even put my spoon right back on the top of the glass. So John chapter 4, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. doesn't have to. Actually, in that day, a lot of the Israelites, if they were making that same trip, would have taken a detour right around. But the most geographically, the, the quickest way would be right through there. So Jesus is really in a sense, going against a, uh, a cultural tradition right there, going right into the land that, that they would have been um, looking down on. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of uh, he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the wells about the sixth hour, right in the middle of the day. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. But just like he's doing with Nicodemus, where Nicodemus' rabbi comes out to him as teacher and he starts to talk to them in, in Scripture, Jesus is starting to talk to her about something that she knows. Every single day this woman would be coming back and forth and back and forth and back and forth from this well. The reason why she's doing it, um, most likely she's got a very low place in that town. Um, the reason will become clear in a minute. 
But she'd be doing it in the middle of the day. Some scholars suggested she'd be doing that so that people wouldn't see her doing that. Um, because you, if you had the job of going and getting well, water all the way from the well and bringing it back, you were pretty much letting everybody know that you were sort of the, the bottom rung of the social ladder. So she would do it in the middle of the day when everybody was taking their siesta, their nap, when the hot of the day when nobody's out so nobody could see her. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank it of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come to, nor come all this way to draw, to draw water. He said to her, Go, call your cousin. This is where, this is where she gets into a, a dialogue about her past. Or he gets into a dialogue with her about her past. He says to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one, one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have, you, this you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say in Jerusalem that, that you, you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you worship, will, will you worship the Father. The Samaritans and the Israelites had a disagreement about where the true house of God was. The, the Israelites would have said it's in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans would have said it's on top of a mountain that was in their land. So that's what they're arguing about right there. It says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. He's quoting uh, Old Testament scripture there. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now you can see the woman looking at him, and she's seeing these words, and there's something that's happened. She's just, imagine what this would be like all of your life. This is going to be your lot, that every day your job is to draw water for the town. And you come along, an Israelite, suddenly, who not only doesn't ignore you, Remember what it was like in high school? There were certain people that you just didn't even look at. You may walk right by them. Someone walks right by you, pretends like you're not even there. This guy not only stops, but he catches her eyes and notices and, and actually sees her. I can't imagine how invisible that she, invisible she would be um, used to feeling. And then he engages her, and then he starts telling her about her past. And for her, this is the thing that gets her, that somebody is able to know something about her that she hasn't said anything about. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Pretty incredible. Can you imagine? I have this way of praying 
for me, because I'm kind of a visual person, that I will picture Jesus and how he might be looking at me, the expression on his face, various times in my day. What would he be seeing? How would he look at me? And for some of you who are raised in families where you you feel like God is standing up there and is mostly disappointed with you. Sometimes changing the scene a little bit and allowing yourself to just imagine, what would it be like you coming to the well and Jesus looking up and saying, give me a drink. Paying attention to you. Knowing your past. Still wanting to engage with you. And then at the end of it all, letting you know information that right now the biggest rulers in the world still don't know. That's how important you are. Imagine how she walks back. Now you're going to see next week when John takes this passage back up again that she becomes an evangelist. Where other people are judging and, and walking away, this woman becomes, gets, she is lit on fire from this thing. So from tonight, three things that we know about this woman. One, we know that she went to this well over and over and over and over again. And it's just like Donald and Beth with our little, oh, good water. I know, seriously, it was like half of, it was, yeah, it was about three quarters of a teaspoon. Man, that's good. Can you guys? No, I won't. I won't <laughs> you get the point. Here's the point. Every single one of us has got some kind of a well like this that we go to over and over and over again. And maybe it's a relationship for you that you keep going back to. You keep going back to over and over and over again. Or maybe it's a style of a relationship. Or maybe it's a pursuit of some kind of a, of a quest for um, a, the approval of one or uh, another parent that is never going to give it to you in the way that you want. I just talked with a, one of my dear friends last night, and that's one of the things he is grieving right now. He keeps going back over and over again, and he hopes that if he gets it just right, that one day his dad is going to look at him and go, man, I approve of you. I, 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 I completely support what you're doing. He just keeps getting rebuffed over and over and over again. That's his well that he keeps going to over and over and over again, and he hopes one day that if he goes there on the right day, in the right way, if he gets his words exactly right, that one day that dad will turn around and quench his thirst. And it never happens. You got a well that you keep going back to? I do. I think Jesus is saying, look, there is only one way that you can have that thirst quenched, and that's me. Anything else that the world provides any of us can make quench for a little bit. But long term, we're going to go back over and over and over and over and over again. And all this time, what Jesus is saying, you keep trying to fill yourself with this world, the things that only I can bring you. Can you picture it? What's your well? What's the one that you go back to? Body image, if I just get thin enough. Success, if I just get the next title. If I just win the next race. If I just make that certain time. If I just get that certain pay raise. 
If I just get that certain nod from my boss, what's the well you go back to over and over and over again? I'm going to give you a challenge. and It's a challenge for me too. I want to tell you, by the way, every time I do these, give you these challenges, I guarantee you that same week I'm doing the same thing. So last week, my prayers opening up, clenching. What am I grabbing onto? I'm going to let go. It's my prayer all week. So here's what I want to challenge for us, challenge us this week. My challenge for us is to identify the well that we go back to. Name it. If you can't write it down in a sentence, you haven't gotten clear enough with it. Name it. My dad's old phrase, my dad was a therapist for 35 years, and he said, Dave, if you can help them name it, then they don't have to act it out so much. So if you can name the well, then I want to challenge you. Lord, take it. And you fill me. That's the prayer. When you're going to bed, putting your head on your pillow, you know you think about stuff, might as well think about something nice. Lord, there you go. You fill me. And watch what happens. A lot of us, we're type A people. We go, okay, Lord, I'll let you do it. And then we secretly go and start doing it ourselves. You know, like, Lord, you fill my well. Now I got to go do it myself, right? You know that whole thing? I want to challenge you not to. I want to challenge you to let it go. I want to challenge you to pray and let go. And wait. And begin to watch. Because I believe that Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, look, I am the living water. When I come into your life, it's going to completely surprise you. It's going to catch you off guard. It's not going to look like what you think. But you'll know it's me. Second thing. She's a Samaritan. Now, I grew up in a, in the 70s when I was a little kid. Um, I went to this school and it was this, it was a, like a trial thing where it was really creative arts and a lot of parents were involved and they made like structures for us to play on that were completely unsafe. Um, you know, lawsuits completely, you know, just like, you know, you know, lots of creative stuff. Um, and it was at the school that's right at the top of the Ave. I'm pointing like it's that way. It's not. It's, where's the Ave from here? Thank you. Completely in the wrong direction. It's, it's up that way. It's north. Yeah, right up that way. Um, but uh, I love this school, but it was divided in half. It's it's the uh, University Heights School, and it was in half. It was One half was this kind of, they call it this alternative creative arts side, and then they had the regular side, and we called them the regs. We literally called them, you know, don't, you don't talk to the regs because they might, you know, infect you with their regularness. That's what we all thought. You know, you know, we, we all want to do our creative thing and, oh, those are the regs. They have to raise their hand to go to the bathroom. We did not. They, we had to call, they had to call their teachers by their last name. We did not. Mary Beth, my fifth grade teacher, who was so awesome. Um, the, uh, and so we, we loved that. We were very tight, but we did not talk to the, the people that went to regular school. They were the regs and we did not talk to them because they weren't even normal. I mean, they were just regular people. Um, until, of course, I mean, we did, we had little, our little friends, we didn't even have to play on the playground. You'd watch the kids just play on two different halves of the, of the field. We know what it's like to have people where somehow we don't want to talk to them, where we want to kind of push them away. We want our little band of people and those are those people. You got them at work. You've got the people at your work, the Samaritans the ones that are not quite doing something that fits in with the group. You've got them 
somewhere in your life, you've got the people that you've just learned to sort of not look at and not pay attention to or not really acknowledge. And what John puts us in this uncomfortable position of saying, not only do I want you to watch Jesus, not only do I want you to see what he's doing, there is an undercurrent that says, I want you to do what Jesus did here. I want you not to ignore the Samaritans in your life. That's uncomfortable for me. Because I like to get my close little group of friends. John's one of them. I like to get my little cloister of people. I don't like to break out of my shell. I do talk, speak like this, but I am very much an introvert, for sure. I get much more of my energy being more quiet. So this passage makes me uncomfortable. To think that God is saying, Dave, you got people in your life that you push out and I want you to go reach them because you never know what's going to happen with them. And I want to reach this world. And you have no idea who's going to do what. All I want you to do is bring the message to them. Who are the Samaritans in your life? Second thing, sometimes it's us that's the Samaritan. John also puts us in a place where we have to kind of step into the characters that we run across. So the message of John is, look, I want to let you know, if you feel like you don't fit in, if you feel like there's been a time when you've been cast out, when you feel like there's something that you've done that disqualified you, what Jesus says is, I'm coming for you, I promise. And I'll break down every single social barrier to get to you. I don't care where you are or what you're doing or how hard your life has been, I'm coming for you. There's some people I know in this room right now that just feel like they are beyond hope. And something's happening or something's happened where it's just like, you know what, God, you're a nice idea. And maybe you need to hear tonight that I believe that God is specifically coming for you right now. And I don't know what it is that is going on with you or what you're doing that makes you feel like you're in this prison But I really believe that Jesus was showing us when he comes to the Samaritan that he is willing to break through anything and he does not care about the approval of his disciples to do it. The last thing we know about this woman is that somehow the translation's a little sketchy. We don't know whether he was asking about whether she was saying that she had been with five men, in which case there's a possibility that she could have been a prostitute. We don't know. Or whether she could have been married five times. The the, uh, life expectancy was so low back then, it would have been very, very possible that she'd been married five times and each person would have died. But either way, can you imagine the pain in this woman's life? And then she's currently living with a man, and in that day and age, that would have been very looked down upon. you got people in your life where you're looking at their lifestyle or something and you're saying, I can't talk to you. Jesus gets in my grill about that. Jesus really confronts me on that. And it's not that he excuses her lifestyle. It's that he treats her like a human being. It's that he doesn't talk down to her. There's something radical in this. And when we talk about God having the heartbeat to reach Seattle. And when God says, I don't know how many thousands, I'm still waiting for someone to come and do this. 
22 to 32. Let's make it that. 22 to 32. How many are in the city of Seattle? If God says, I want you to go get them, I promise you that we are going to run into people that we don't want to talk to. If there's something about them where we go, I can't touch that. And what I think Jesus says is, stop it. Go get them. Because you never know what's going to happen in their lives. You have no idea. You have no idea what kind of fire is going to be lit in this person, what this person's going to do for my kingdom. You have no idea. And I love that. I love that that breaks me out of what I can set up for myself. I love the fact that God looks at me and says, Dave, get out there. Go be a part of what I'm doing. Go be a part of my mission to reach the people that right now think they are floating on a speck of dust in a big, empty vacuum. And that when they die, that's all there is. Go get them. You're called. God sees you. God knows you. God has redeemed you. God wants to send you for sure. It's our task to be open and ready for those little tiny conversations that come up in our day with the people that we wouldn't expect. Just be ready. Be open and available for God to use you. You don't have the right words. That's okay. God will give them to you. Maybe that's all it is, is to say, you know what? What are you doing on Tuesday? When I was a senior in college, Amber Murphy asked me six times before I finally said, yes, I'll go to the inn. Six. God, thanks so much for every single person here. I know that you are working in their hearts. I know that you are giving them stuff to think about and pray about and get passionate about. And Lord, I know there are people here who feel so, so thirsty from going to the wells in their life and trying to um, quench a thirst that is so deep. I pray tonight right, that they would walk out here with a deep satisfaction, a big quenching from your spirit. And Lord, I pray for fire in them. For the people around them. That don't look like the people that you could possibly be going after. Lord, give them courage. Give them authenticity. And give them a heart that breaks for the city of Seattle and for the world. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.